This week, we're going to cover some of the different ventilator modes. We'll cover the basic functions found on most anaesthetic machines, as well as their pros and cons. I'll also go over some of the graphs that tend to get shown in the clinical exams, and put a copy of them in the show notes. As we'll hear today, there are a multitude of different ventilator modes, and it can be hard to keep track of what they all are, and when to use one over another. I find it easiest to split them up by thinking about the patient's respiratory needs. Your patient will generally fall into one of three categories. The first is fully compromised, i.e. they're unable to make any respiratory effort of their own. This can be due to a complete lack of respiratory drive, like when we give too much opiate, or it can be due to a physical inability to ventilate, like when we've given muscle relaxants. These patients require a ventilator to take full control of both the respiratory rate and the depth of those breaths. The ventilator modes that do this are generally called controlled mandatory modes. The second category is partially compromised. These are patients who are able to generate breaths, but either have an insufficient respiratory rate or inadequate tidal volumes. Again, these effects can be seen regularly with opiatized patients or those who are partially recovered from neuromuscular blockade. Other patients in this category can be larger patients who are unable to generate adequate tidal volumes in certain positions, like lithotomy. The ventilator modes that are useful here are called support modes. The final category are patients who are uncompromised. These are patients who can make both adequate tidal volumes and a decent respiratory rate, but they require support for some other reason. Patients with upper or lower airway collapse, for example in obstructive sleep apnea, or COPD, may require support in the form of CPAP or PEEP to keep their airways open. It's important to note that PEEP can also be applied as an adjunct to most other ventilator modes. So now we know the vague categories of ventilator modes, and the sorts of patients that we need to use them on, let's talk about some of the modes themselves. We'll start with the controlled mandatory modes. The two main modes that fall into this category are volume control and pressure control ventilation. We'll go through how they work, and I'll describe the graphs for flow and pressure versus time that you would expect to see with them. Now, an audio podcast is probably not the best medium to be talking about graphs, so I've put a copy of them online. Check the show notes for a link. Volume control is pretty simple when you get down to it. You specify a tidal volume and a respiratory rate and, in most machines, an inspiratory time. And the ventilator will ensure that the patient's lungs obtain those parameters, no matter what. The downside comes from how the ventilator goes about obtaining these. The ventilator will generate a constant flow of gas until the volume is reached. This means that the pressure in the lungs can get dangerously high, and barotrauma can occur, especially in patients with either very small lungs or very stiff lungs, like asthmatics. That said, this ability of volume control to deal with variations in inflation pressure is ideal for operations where it changes a lot, for example, when pneumoperitoneum is involved. It's just important that you have sensible pressure alarms set. In these circumstances, you can be confident that your patient will receive adequate ventilation without you having to interfere too much. One other downside of volume control is that it's not very good at dealing with large leaks in your system, and will tend to underventilate if you have a big one. Okay, so now let's tackle the graphs for this mode. There are two main graphs to know about, flow versus time and pressure versus time. Both of these graphs have time on the horizontal x-axis, generally in seconds. The part of the graph above the x-axis is for positive values. So for flow, this is generally defined as flow into the lungs, 
and for pressure it's defined as positive pressure within the lungs. Because the flow generated is constant, the graph of flow versus time is actually very simple. During each inspiratory breath, the flow is just a flat line above the x-axis at whatever the flow rate is. At the end of inspiration, this abruptly stops and falls to zero, so it becomes a vertical line straight down to zero. So the inspiratory waveform for this actually just looks like a rectangular block. Expiration in this mode is passive and relies on the elastic recoil of the lungs. And because expiration is in the opposite direction to inspiration, the graph for this is negative and therefore starts below the x-axis. It starts far below the x-axis and then curves slowly upwards towards zero in what is actually an upside-down exponential decay. So what you end up with is a curve that looks like a sucked-in triangle hanging below the x-axis. The pressure in the lungs is related to the volume in them. So as they fill at a constant rate, the inspiratory graph is a diagonal straight line up from the x-axis. As expiration is passive, the ventilator generates no pressure, and so the line quickly decays down to zero. Pressure control provides a constant pressure. This means that the tidal volumes that it can generate are directly proportional to the compliance of the patient's lungs. Pressure control gives a more physiological characteristic to the inspiratory flow, because it mimics very closely the pressure gradient that's set up by the lungs during normal inspiration. The pressure provided is constant throughout the inspiratory phase, so this mode can attain the same tidal volumes at lower peak pressures. Because of this, some clinicians believe that pressure control is better for patients' lungs, reducing the barotrauma that can be associated with large, sharp increases in pressure. However, if lung compliance changes, either due to, say, pneumoperitoneum or bronchospasm, you can significantly change the tidal volumes you end up with, and either end up with severely underinflating or overinflating a patient's lungs. And you can cause volutrauma by this mechanism. Because the ventilator is only setting up a pressure gradient, pressure control tends to cope very well with small leaks in the system, for example with poorly fitting supraglottic airways or uncuffed endotracheal tubes. So now let's quickly go over the graphs for this mode. Now, the pressure versus time graph for pressure control is the simple one. During inspiration, the pressure is constant, and so the graph is a flat-topped block, much like the flow graph in volume control. During expiration, there is no pressure generated, so the graph is simply just flat. The flow graph is slightly more complicated. At the beginning of inspiration, the pressure gradient from the ventilator to the lungs is largest, so the flow is the most. As the lungs fill up, they equalise this pressure, and so the flow reduces over time in an exponential fashion. So the graph starts as a peak high above the x-axis, and then slopes down like a sagging triangle. In pressure control mode, expiration is also passive, and so the, so the graph of flow versus time for expiration is exactly the same as that of the volume control mode. The benefits of the pressure control waveform for a patient's lungs is a good reason to try to use it, but it can be a pain to constantly be adjusting the settings to get the tidal volumes that you want. So many modern machines have a new mode that requires a bit more computing power, but does all this adjustment for you. The result is a mode that lets you specify a tidal volume, but it delivers it with the pressure waveform of pressure control. You can generally set a pressure limit as well to prevent barotrauma. This mode will adjust for changes in patient's lung compliance, so you don't need to worry about it. 
These modes tend to have different names depending on the brand of machine, but it's generally something along the lines of volume guarantee, pressure control, ventilation, or uh, autoflow in some brands. This tends to be the preferred ventilation mode for uh, critical care units, as it tends to be better on patients' lungs. Support modes can be categorised by the nature of a patient's respiratory compromise. Broadly, this can be divided into rate issues and volume issues. Most patients with respiratory rate issues will also tend to have issues with their tidal volumes, so this is generally also dealt with in these modes. Rate support for patients who have some spontaneous respiration is generally given via SIMV, or Synchronized Intermittent Mandatory Ventilation. This is where the ventilator provides an absolute minimum respiratory rate. This is called the mandatory rate, and you set that. If the patient makes an inspiratory effort, however, the machine will sense this and deliver a breath in time with the patient's breathing pattern. This prevents them from breathing against the ventilator and running into issues with poor tidal volumes or high pressures. But if the patient is taking too long between breaths or stops breathing altogether, the ventilator will just take over and provide an extra breath at the specified rate. SIMV breaths can be delivered as either volume control or pressure control. Patients who have an adequate respiratory rate but poor tidal volumes require just a bit of extra support in the form of pressure. These modes are called pressure support modes. The machine senses each breath and provides an additional positive pressure to supplement the patient's effort. Actually, there is a continuum between SIMV and pressure support modes, and pressure support actually works the same as an SIMV with a very low set rate, or when the patient is breathing very quickly. Finally, let's talk about CPAP and PEEP. We'll start off by thinking about it in the spontaneously ventilating patient. When patients who are spontaneously breathing, at the end of expiration, lung volumes get so low that alveoli tend to collapse in the bases. You can reduce this alveolar collapse by adding a bit of extra pressure at the end of expiration, and this can be delivered either with CPAP, which is continuous positive airway pressure, or PEEP, which is positive end expiratory pressure. This extra pressure essentially ensures that there is positive pressure in the alveoli at all times during the respiratory cycle. This physically splints them open and prevents them from collapsing. CPAP machines are also extremely useful in patients with obstructive sleep apnea. In this scenario, the positive pressure is simply splinting open the upper airways and preventing it from collapsing whilst the patients are asleep, and that prevents them from having apneas. CPAP and PEEP can be very useful in larger patients and those with respiratory disease. However, the increased intrathoracic pressure it gives also results in slightly less venous return, and you can actually have a negative impact on cardiac output. In most people, this probably doesn't matter too much, but in unstable patients, this can be an issue, and it's something to watch out for. The reduced venous return from the superior vena cava also results in a back pressure and an increase in intracranial pressure. Again, in most cases, this doesn't result in much of an issue, but it's something to consider when you're dealing with patients with head injuries. Well, that's about it for this episode. You've heard a bit about volume and pressure control modes and their pros and cons. You should also now be able to understand why the graphs of pressure and flow versus time look the way they do for these two modes. Again, check out the link in the show notes. You've also learned about their support modes, SIMV and pressure support. And finally, you've learned a little bit about CPAP and PEEP and how these can be useful. Thanks so much for listening. 
If you've liked this episode, please feel free to subscribe through your podcast player of choice. You can also find all of these episodes online at planaprimary.co.uk. Remember, this entire series is going to be published absolutely free, so please share this with anyone who you think might find it useful. If you've got any questions, feedback, or just want to request a topic, feel free to email me at questions at planaprimary.co.uk, or you can leave a comment by this episode online.